incarnation, what it looks like, why Jesus came, why it's important, why we celebrate Christmas. I don't know, how, how many of y'all got all your lights and completely decorated this past week? Everybody finished? A few of you are, a few overachievers. We're, we're getting closer. Um, Crystal got started on it. Uh, I watched a little. I, I got the heavy stuff out. I don't know if you guys are, are with me, but I do my part, right? I drag everything out of the shed and set it in the floor, and, you know, that's kind of the end of my role in it, at least if we're going to stay sane in my house because I don't do anything the way that it's supposed to be done, apparently, and there's a certain place it's supposed to be, and maybe I'm the only one like that, but, but I, I, I mean, it, I say all that, but at the same time, I do. I enjoy once everything's up. I, I actually enjoy Christmas. I, this is my favorite time of the year. I, every year, as, as it starts to get cooler, I'll start listening to Christmas music. I guess it was about September or so this year when I started listening to Christmas music, and, and Crystal will point out that all of a sudden, I seem like I'm in a, in a, in a good mood. After 10 years, she's figured this out. I'm like, I'm in a good mood all year, hello, and apparently not, but but she says, oh, it looks like you're in a good mood. You know, Christmas time is coming up, and, and I just get excited. I get excited about the lights. I get excited about the fudge. I get excited about just spending time with one another. It's like this time of year, unlike other times of the year, it's like people actually start to slow down and realize there's other people around them. Oh, hey, who's these people? Oh, these are my family. Man, look how big these kids have gotten, right? I mean, but as, as the, we near the year, end of the year, we sort of take a breather. We, we enjoy one another. We enjoy spending time with each other. We enjoy listening to Christmas music and, and all those things. And then uh, Christmas is over and it's already time to clean up again, right? I mean, we, we know more than uh, got done last night uh, with decorating and all that. And then this morning I have two crying kids. I don't know even why they're crying. They're just upset. You know, it, if Christmas was going to fix everything, you would have thought that I wouldn't have crying kids, but I do. But, but, but why? why? Why do we decorate every year? Why do we go through all this process of trying to celebrate year after year after year? The reason why is because Jesus has come. The reason why is the Savior of the world has come. And, and so every year as Christmas season nears, I, I try to do something to help focus us back in on the reason why we celebrate year after year after year. I remember when we first got married, Crystal and I had the idea, we're never buying our kids anything for Christmas. Like, we're not going to do it. The focus is going to be on Jesus. And I remember her, her little sister, she was pretty young at the time, said, well, if you do that, your kids are going to hate you. Like, if they don't ever get gifts. And I was like, whatever. They just, you just don't know how spiritual we are yet. Well, we, we buy our kids gifts just in case, right? No, I'm just kidding, but, but we do. We, we, we buy them gifts not because uh, we're afraid that they're going to hate us, but just because that's what we do. And the truth is, is whether we bought gifts or not, the focus would be gifts. Like nothing that I do, nothing that I say is going to take the emphasis off of gifts. It'll either be what they got or what they didn't get. And that's true in all of our lives, isn't it? No matter how hard we try to stay focused, no matter how hard we try to stay grounded during this time of year, it's like, man, we forget that Jesus was born. We forget the whole purpose. We forget that hope has come. And so what I want to do this morning is to come back to a place where we remember that Jesus brings hope to a hopeless world, that he brings forgiveness to those who have blown it. Not to say that we pretend like everything's sunshine and roses around Christmas time, but to say that we celebrate, not because everything is perfect, but because we serve a, a perfect Savior. And so Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, I want us to think about and be reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. 
But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. In the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would honor yourself and glorify yourself in these moments we share. God, I pray that you would be exalted, that we would get out of the way, that we would hear from you this morning. Lord, I pray that you take uh, your word and that you apply it to our hearts in spite of me, in spite of all the stuff uh, that we're thinking about, Lord, but that you would actually speak into our lives this morning and that you would truly change us from the inside out. We know, God, as we come in here, we know that our focus is wrong. We know that we get focused on all the stuff we shouldn't. God, I pray that you would redeem us from that this morning, that you would set us free from that, and that we would be able to put our eyes back on Jesus. Help, him to see for how, help us to see him for how glorious he truly is. Help us to worship you for the salvation we've been given in him. God, we need your help with this. I need your help with this. Help us to focus on you. Focus on uh, the birth of our Savior above all else this morning. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I truly believe, and I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not, but I believe that the reason why we don't focus on Jesus like we should is that we have bad memories or that we forget exactly why we should worship him. And so first, I want us to be reminded this morning that Jesus brings light to the darkness. Be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. We were actually in Isaiah uh, this morning in Sunday school, and so it's kind of funny that we're here again. Crystal was asking me about the background of the, of the Sunday school uh, uh, lesson, and at first I was like, what, what are you talking about? I don't remember. But then as we began to talk, I, I realized, oh, wait. I do remember. I actually studied this all week. And I know that's terrible, but it was hard for me to get on the same page as her as what she was asking. But, but what's interesting is in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, it sounds really good, right? There will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. Well, who's in anguish? The people who are in anguish are the Israelites. These are the people that God had chosen as his special people. These are the people that God pulled out of all the other nations and said, in spite of who you are, not because of who you are, but in spite of who you are, I'm calling you my special people. I'm calling you the apple of my eye. I'm going to reveal myself in such a way that unlike anything that I reveal to anybody else. This is the people that God is speaking to and says, you who were in anguish. Why were they in anguish? They were in anguish, anguish, not English, anguish. That's a hard word. They were having a hard day. They were having a hard life because they had chosen to walk away from their God. They had chosen to chase down idols. They had chosen to, instead of worshiping the one who created them, sustained them, and redeemed them out of slavery, they had chosen to worship the things of this world. And so when you look at the previous chapter leading up to chapter 9, God says one day you're going to get tired of it. One day you're going to wake up and all these people who are offering you these false promises, they're not going to have anything left for you. And it'll be on that day that you finally return to me. You see, what had happened with Israel is God had given them every opportunity to follow him. But instead of following him, they went further and further and further away from him. Until finally, around 725 B.C., so that's 725 years uh, around this time before Christ, before Jesus was born, this Assyrian Empire comes in and, and, and they take the land that belonged to Israel, they, the, the northern kingdoms. And about 722, they come in and they just obliterate the northern ten tribes, these people who had walked away from God. 
Their loved ones were killed. Their families were broken and destroyed. Their land was taken. Everything they had was gone. They were brought to their knees in shame. This once proud people now was a laughingstock and basically an afterthought. You see, they, they were in gloom. They were in distress. They were in a place of spiritual darkness. The shadow of death covered their, their land. When they turn on the news, all they hear is bad news. When they go to the store, their accounts are always overdrawn. Their, their credit cards are maxed. There's riots in the streets. We can sort of relate to them a little bit, can't we? We can relate to the, the tough situation they find themselves in. And, and so uh, we, we look at these people and we realize that, no, they actually were living in darkness. They were living under the judgment and punishment of God. God trying to bring them back to himself. And so we come to verse 2. Once they realize this and they walk away from the other gods, back to God. We, we, we look at verse 2 and it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep, dark, deep darkness, on them has light shone. And, and so Isaiah says, listen, there's going to be a day where you turn and you're finally going to see the light. And this place is going to be in Galilee. This place where the light is actually going to begin to shine is in this place called Galilee. Galilee was a place you didn't want to live. It was a place that got rocked by every nation, every army that came in and every army that went out of Israel. They were sort of like the, the entrance and exit, which meant that soldiers went in and looted and plundered and did all those things. They got beat at Jerusalem, and then they went back home, and they looted and plundered again on their way back out. These people had it rough. But it says that it's there where the darkness is going to begin to see the light. The light is going to begin to shine. Listen to what Matthew says about this in verse 13 of chapter 4. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. This is Jesus in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so here we see that God begins uh, spreading his light, spreading the gospel at the very place that's called Galilee of the Gentiles. This would have been a, a mixed group of people. It's not even all Jewish folks. These are people all mixed together. And it says that here is where Jesus began his ministry. It's here where Jesus begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is this light shining in the darkness? Well, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's coming in to right that which is wrong. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Not because because of gifts, not because of, of, of lights, not even because of chocolate fudge, even though it's close, right? But, but because Jesus comes to give us light, he comes to set us free. The reason that we focus on him is because he has chased the darkness away. See, the problem is, guys, is we don't realize how dark our world is. We don't realize how bad things around us are. We forget who we were before we met Jesus. I, I was talking with Crystal about this the other day. I feel like the reason why we don't think the birth of Jesus is that big a deal is that when it says that the, uh, the people who dwelt in darkness have seen a great light, we don't really feel like it's that dark around us. Like, we, we don't see it because we have so, all of our physical needs are met so well, we forget about our spiritual needs. I mean, we'll go and stand in line for like 10 hours to save 10 bucks on a TV that we didn't need to begin with, right? Not, nothing wrong with shopping at 
I'm not hating on Black Friday. Don't stone me up here. I, I, I know American holiday. I got to protect it. But, but uh, really, I don't, I don't care. Crystal went shopping. I don't judge her at all. I only had to keep the babies. You know, no big deal. But, but no, it, seriously, it, it doesn't, that's not the point. But the point is, is that Jesus comes and he offers his light to us. And we don't see it because we're so focused on stuff. We're focused on all the things around us. And we say, I really don't have it all that bad. I'll take a little light, but I don't need all the light. Th- think of it like this. So, uh, in this morning when I got up, it was pretty dark. And I know better than to turn on a light when Crystal is still asleep. She's not in here this morning, so I keep bringing her up for some reason. Y'all don't tell her. But I, now, if she gets up before I do, the light comes on regardless, right? But that's a whole different story. But... I get up and have this little flashlight thing on my iPhone. You guys have that, right? I mean, you can shine around. You can see whatever you need to see. It's this little bitty light. Now, if I were to stand up here and shine it in your eyes from up here this morning, you wouldn't even see it probably because it's too bright in here, right? I, I think what has happened is, is that the physical light we have, the, the it's okay life that we have is so bright, we don't see how dark it really is. We don't see how bad spiritually we really are. We don't see how bad spiritually the world around us really is. And so we really don't value Jesus like we should. We don't understand how badly we need him. I I think that's what Jesus meant when he said it's really hard for a rich man to go into heaven. In fact, it's impossible. Because if all of our physical needs are met, typically we tend to forget about the one who we need for spiritual needs. And so we have to be careful this morning. That we don't let the pretty good life that, physically speaking, that God has given us blind us from how bad we need the light of the gospel in our lives. Jesus comes and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the light shining into the darkness. So we, we need to remember that Jesus is the light of the world, but we also need to remember that he's our mighty warrior. In verse 3 it says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And so Isaiah, he, he sort of piles up a bunch of different illustrations to talk about the joy at the fact that the Savior is coming. The first one is harvest time. Now, harvest for these people meant payday. Difference between their payday and our payday is we get it once, they got it once a year. That's a pretty happy day if you get it once a year, right? I mean, that's, that's a wonderful day, sort of like opposite tax day, right? I mean, once a year, you're super happy and excited because you actually get to bring in the harvest and you get to celebrate with your friends and your family and, and you get to eat good. So they're, they're happy. They're, they're, you know, and so Isaiah says, that's what it's going to be like when the Savior comes. He says, it's going to be like when Gideon came. Gideon was a guy who ran out of Israel the people of Moab. Moab were a bunch of terrorists. They would come in and they would run. They would take their crops. They would take their money. They would take their food, take Israel's food and, and run away. Or not run away, stay there and just continue to, to hurt them, continue to oppress Israel. God raises up uh, Gideon and runs them out of uh, Israel. God, God says, when my Savior comes, when the, the Savior comes, this is what it's going to look like in Israel. This is what it's going to look like all over, over the earth. Verse 5 says, For every boot of the tramping warrior and battle turmoil and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. He's describing here the, the tools of war. He's saying when the Savior arrives, there will be no more need for weapons. 
There'll be kindling. There'll finally be peace on earth. I don't know what we'll pray for every year, but there will finally be peace on earth. There'll be no more need for violence. There'll be no more need for war because the king has come and settled all conflict. He says that every tool of oppression will finally be destroyed and God's people will be able to sing in victory and, and shout. And in fact, the way that it's worded here, it, it, he's making the point that it's not something that we do, it's something that's done for us. The battle's already over, we just show up for the after party. Jesus does this through taking uh, on himself our sins and being punished in our place and destroying death itself. Look at verse 6. Isaiah goes on and he describes the Savior. He goes on and he describes who is coming to do this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who will finally defeat our foes? Who will finally defeat our enemies? A baby. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a baby. The power of God is so far superior to everything that we face that he comes in the form of a child. He comes in the form of a, a baby. And, and so, so what we see is, is God is so amazingly powerful that he can even come as a baby and overcome the, the greatest things that we face. Uh, uh, back there in the nursery this morning, I'm sure they're playing with babies. Uh, there's uh, one thing about babies that they scare me. I don't know if they scare you or not until they get about six months to almost a year old because they look like they could break so easily, right? I mean, one of the most terrifying things in the world is for somebody to try and hand you a little baby, or at least for me, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can hold them. Once they get about two, it's not a big deal. But, but think about that, like the one who runs the show, the one who created all things, the sovereign of the universe, came as a little baby. The one who has no beginning and no end was born. God has come down to dwell with man. The God who cannot be controlled, the God who cannot be contained in temples, even the entire earth, it says that, that, that he, his throne is heaven, that the earth is his footstool. It says that he is going to be born. The God of the universe. And so Isaiah says that a baby is coming to do this. In fact, the, the government will rest upon his shoulders. The, the authority will rest with him that we will finally have a king we can look up to. We'll finally have a king that we can trust. And he goes through and he talks about his character. Listen to what he says. It says here that he is wonderful counselor. The word wonderful here, but when you look at it, the, the Hebrew root of this word, the only time, well, almost the only time, there's a few exceptions, but most every time this word is used, it's used to describe something that only God himself can do. And then Isaiah links it with counselor, and so what we have here is a divine counselor, someone with the wisdom of God offering us guidance. This child that is to come is one who will offer to us God's direction, his guidance. If we're struggling with where to go, who do we go to? We go to this little baby who didn't stay a baby, right? He grew up and became Jesus, or he was Jesus, and he grew up and became our Savior. So he will guide us. Not only that, he will guard us. It says here that he is our mighty God, or El Gabor. It means hero God or warrior God. 
Isaiah 10, 29, he uses the same exact phrase to speak of God and calls him mighty God. Over and over again, the, the Bible shows us that Jesus truly is God. And he truly is all-powerful. Think about when you read through the Gospels, what do you see about Jesus? Demons come against him, and what does he do? He says, get out of here, and they go. Think about storms. They try to sink his boat. He says, be quiet, and they're quiet. Think about death. Death tries to take him on the cross. He dies. What happens three days later? He defeats death. He rises again. He is our mighty God. He is our guardian who will defend his people. He guides us where he wants us to go, and he protects us as he does so until he comes again. He's one we can depend on and one we can turn to. Here it says here that he's also our everlasting father or father of eternity. Isaiah is not saying here that this uh, person who's to be born is God the father. What he's saying is, is that this person who is to be born, the savior, is like an eternal father. This is his character. He's showing us what type of savior he is. He is a savior who is an eternal, perfectly loving father. And I know in our culture, and in the day that we live in, father is a pretty loaded term, isn't it? Many of us did not have good experiences growing up with fathers. I was fortunate enough to have a, a good experience with my dad, but I know so many in our, in our world have fathers who abandoned them, fathers who didn't protect them, fathers who did not keep them safe, who did not provide for them. But Jesus here, it says, is our everlasting father. He's not like them. He doesn't hit the road when things get hard. He doesn't leave us when we need him most. No, he never forsakes us. He, he never walks away from us. He never gives up on us. He never turns his back. He never speaks in anger. He never neglects us. No matter how good of a dad you are, you fail at this. Right? I mean, over and over again. But Jesus never does. The reason we celebrate this morning is because to us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given who is our everlasting father. Jesus is, a, is like a father. He's powerful. He's almighty. He guides us. And then also, he's the prince of peace. He's the one who provides peace for us. He's the one who provides for us prosperity, spiritually speaking. He gives us the peace of God. He gives us peace with God. He gives us the shalom of God. He gives us the, the well-being of God so that God's face is uh, pointed towards us so that his smile is smiling down on us. He gives us that peace that passes all understanding because we know that he has all things under control. It, are, you, are you struggling this morning as the Christmas season comes in? Are you overwhelmed? Like, man, I got more gifts than I got money that I'm supposed to buy. You frustrated this morning? I, my family doesn't seem to care about the holidays, and I do. Maybe you're hurting. Somebody who's supposed to be here isn't here. And you, Christmas just reminds you that they're not. Maybe the holidays bring out the full dysfunction of your family. And you're reminded just how messed up you all are. Jesus comes and he says, come to me. I'm your wonderful counselor. So you need to walk through these things and talk through these things. He provides you advice. Godly advice. God, advice that can only come from the Lord. He guides your heart through his Holy Spirit. Follow him. He is your mighty God as you think about the things that you face and you think about the hurts that you face. Be reminded that he protects you. Be reminded this morning that he is your everlasting father, that he loves you forever and ever, no matter what. Enjoy him. Receive his peace this morning, this peace that he offers you to reconcile you to God and even know that you've rebelled against him. And we come to verse 7. Let me read this and we'll close out. 
of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Of, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Hear what Isaiah is saying to us this morning. He, he is saying that this kingdom that Jesus is going to set up is going to last forever. This is not a here today, gone tomorrow promise. This is a, an eternal promise. But notice this last line, and this is really what, what I want you to hear. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What will do this? Who will do this? Will we do this? Will we have to fight to keep this peace? Will we have to fight to keep this relationship? No, it says that the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the passion of God himself will make this happen. His love for us will make this happen. It's not something that we do. It's something that Jesus has done. Guys, we celebrate Christmas every year not to take our minds off of how bad the world is. It is to celebrate the fact that we serve a, a perfect Savior. It's not to distract us from the pain of everyday life. It's to celebrate the fact that we have a Savior who walks with us through that everyday life. That we're not alone. That Jesus himself was born. That he entered into our world as a man. That he was afflicted uh, with everything we're afflicted with. And he lived perfectly. And he offers to us that perfect righteousness that only he can offer. And that he walks with us each day knowing what we face. And saying, I, I understand. Let me walk with you through this. And we celebrate because we know that one day he'll finally set everything as it should be. He'll finally wipe every tear from our eyes and we'll spend eternity with him. We smile this morning because we know that the same Jesus who has come to set us free is the same Jesus who has come to welcome us into heaven out of this messed up world. And so I say as far as Christmas is concerned that we laugh, we smile, we eat, we give gifts, we receive gifts. Not because the world is perfect or because we're trying to pretend that it is, but because a child was given. The Son was provided. The only Son of God. Because God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die in our place and to defeat death on our behalf. We celebrate this morning that our sins have been forgiven, that they've been washed away through the blood of Christ. We celebrate this morning because we do not have to fear death, because we do not have to live in sin any longer, but that we can be set free. Because we do have a, a God who has sent a Savior for us this mighty God, this Prince of Peace, this everlasting Father. And so I ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a relationship with this Savior who has come? Do you have a relationship with the one who died in your place? If you don't, would you make that right this morning? And if you do have a relationship with him, you have trusted on him, you have believed on Christ, but you look and, and you look at your life and you say, man, I've been so focused on this, I've been focused on that, I'm upset about this over here, none of it has anything to do with Jesus. Would you repent of that even now? And say, Lord, help me to focus on you. Get my mind on you and get it off of all this other stuff, whether it's good or bad. And help me just to put my heart on you this Christmas season. Focus on who you are and what you have offered to me. Would you ask him to remind you of the, of the darkness that he called you out of into the light that he is providing for you and to direct your path? Would you ask him to walk with you through this time? If you would stand with us, and as you stand, we're going to get ready for a time of singing and a time of invitation. Uh, this time of, of singing is a time of prayer. It's a time for you to be able to come and pray down front. Uh, here, it's a time for you to come and pray with me. It's a time for you to pray right where you are. But you, you respond to the Lord in the way he's calling you to as we sing this morning. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. 
Lord, I do pray that you would be honored by the way that we respond to you today. God, I pray that you'd be honored by the way that we love you and the way that we serve you. Lord, may you be glorified uh, through uh, our response to you in worship today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come?